Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their awesome hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 134. Well, the week has finally come. This coming Saturday is the Ohio Archery Opener. And I tell you, I am very excited that season's almost here. I've tried to control it, not go absolutely out of my mind. I think I've done a pretty good job so far, but I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I was excited. Now, here's the deal. I cannot go out this Saturday. This Saturday is designated as a family day, um, so I will not be in the woods. This is actually, it's hard to believe, but this Saturday is the three-year anniversary of my daughter, uh, Hattie, uh, heading to heaven. So we call it Hattie Heaven Day um, at, at our house. And instead of sitting at home and moping and remembering how bad that day was three years ago, we go and do things that Hattie enjoyed. So we book a hotel every year that has a pool because she loved to swim and my girls love to swim. So we're going to be swimming. Um, the foster kids, we've gotten uh, somebody to watch them for the weekend so that we can just have us as a family go out and enjoy uh, that and ice cream and just a good day on Saturday. So I will not be in the deer woods that day. Um, I'm going to be doing what I need to do, and that's spending time with my family. But the next day, <laughs> this coming Saturday, uh, this coming Sunday, that is, on Sunday evening, I do plan to be in the woods. Um, here is the game plan. I'm going to lay it out there, and then next week you can come back and see if it actually worked out. But um, so far, I've gotten some trail cam picks of just some smaller bucks, some decent bucks, just nothing like huge in a while. Um, I, I have this one property that I hunt that's basically, there's two sides of it. One side is a soybean field, the other side is a corn field, standing corn. And there's another guy that hunts the property, and he has been just awesome. He's been on the show before. His name's John Farley. And John and I are sharing trail cam pictures, and we're kind of tag-teaming it this year. Uh, it used to be that we'd just send a yearly email saying, hey, I'm staying on my side, and he would say, I'm staying on my side, and that was it. This year, we're really trying to help each other out. Um, it's a decent-sized property. There's always good bucks over there, so we're, we're helping each other out. He sent me some pics early on in July of some just absolute slammers and, uh, and just some really nice bucks, but those bucks have kind of just disappeared from his uh, gravity feeder that he has over there. And it's on the far corner of uh, the, the soybeans or close to that where we hunt. And so I thought, you know what, what I'm going to do, I have one new cell camera that I bought. I'm going to go put it on the corn, and I'm going to dump out 50 pounds of, of corn right there. I know I'm putting corn beside corn, but I want to take inventory, see what's coming in, and see if any bucks, like mature, decent bucks, are going to come in to a corn pile in daylight. Um, a lot of times this year they won't. They'll go over to the oak trees. They'll kind of ignore it. The only thing that'll come in is like does and spikes, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but my buddy Trav has been kind of perfecting what he calls the mobile corn strategy, and we hope to kind of share some videos on if this stuff works for us this year. In Ohio, we're allowed to bait, and um, I know people have differences of opinion on that. I'm not going to even touch that. I'm just going to say it's legal, and we're going to try and use it to see if we can uh, be successful, at least on some of these early hunts. Um, Here's the reason. These deer can pop out at so many different locations on these soybean and corn fields. So we want to try and make the odds be in our favor for an ethical, quick, close shot. So anyway, went out and put out the corn on the corn side. And I had to haul it back there. It was about a half mile hike with uh, my frame pack and got back there, put up the camera. And I uh, haven't got hardly any pictures on that camera. Um, but that same day, I went over to the soybean side and went up to this corner where I've had some good encounters before, put out the corn, and 
at first had nocturnal night pictures. I don't get too excited about pictures of bucks at night. Like I can't kill them at night um, <laughs> legally, uh, so I'm, I don't get too worried about that. But I knew it's usually two days, and sure enough, on on the first night, bucks at night. Okay, cool. Second night, they're coming in at about seven o'clock, seven thirty. So coming in during legal hours, and there's not just one. There's like three, maybe four different bucks coming in to the corn. So the game plan is to set the trap on Friday. Friday, I'm going to go back over with 50 more pounds, put it out there because I'm not hunting till Sunday. And so once again, I'm giving it two days, going to go back into the spot. I'm going to not be sitting right on top of it. going to be downwind, uh, down into the woods, actually, off this field edge, probably 30, 40 yards I still want to be able to shoot to the corn, but I want to try and catch one of these bucks. Bigger bucks, I think, are going to come in downwind and make sure everything's clear, and I plan to be between, have them come in between me and the pile is the game plan. Whether or not that works, I have no idea, but that's that's the strategy for an early season shot at a decent, hopefully, shooter buck. Um, and I've, I've been talking to my brother and talking to Trav about what I'll shoot, what I won't shoot. My goal is to hopefully just shoot something bigger than my biggest buck, which is 116 inches. I'm not in it for the inches. I'm also not really in it to shoot like a grandpa buck either. I just want to shoot something that makes me happy. Um, and this year, I, I get to thinking about what would make me happy going into this season. I think shooting a buck early actually would be pretty cool. And then I could take some of my buddies that I know want to hunt, take them to some good spots, get into some rut action, video all that, and then maybe pop over to West Virginia and try and get another buck on my grandpa's land. That would be a pretty special and cool year. So we'll see how all that plays out. But that's the game plan going in. I don't know what your strategies are, what you're, uh, what you're excited about, but I'm excited to give it a go. Probably won't work out. <laughs> uh, probably won't, but um, I, I'm just excited for the season. So... Uh, I am excited to let you guys know about today's guest. But before I do that, I want to say one more time, thank you guys for just leaving ratings and reviews. And right now, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, right now is the perfect time to do that. Go over to Shedding Light Outdoors on YouTube, hit that subscribe button because we're going to release stuff as we're able to get it done. So there's going to be new videos hopefully coming out here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, fingers crossed. We'll see how it all plays out. And I don't want you to miss those. So uh, we're excited about all of that. Today's guest uh, is a part of my bow hunting team. So every year I join uh, a team on bowhunter.com. And there's a, uh, a bow hunting or bow hunter. I don't know which it is. I should look that up. But anyhow, I think it's bowhunting.com has a forum. And uh, these are the guys that do uh, a bow hunter die or whatever. And um, it, the forum's just fun. A lot of guys talking, but they do a contest every year. And uh, every year I meet some really awesome guys, guys that have been on this podcast before. And so the, the way the contest works is if you shoot a buck, whatever it's rack scores, that uh, goes to your team as a, as a score. And then you can also shoot an additional doe or an additional buck for 50 points, and that's your contribution. And really, it's not about winning. I came close. A couple teams I've been on have came close, but and it's just it's more so just fun, just getting to know these guys, getting to know where they hunt. And one of those guys, I reached out today and uh, yesterday and said, is anybody able to come on the podcast? I need to get a guest on. I mean, deer season's here, for goodness sake. Why didn't I get something lined up? And one of my teammates, Jay Watterson, was gracious enough to carve out some time today. Uh, we uh, had him, <laughs> he recorded it out in his shed uh, so he could have it nice and quiet. And uh, I think it turned 
into a great interview. Uh, Jay did a great job talking about how he got into whitetails, and he has a really unique background with his two grandfathers being the ones that got him into hunting, and he talks all about that. Also some unique animals he's been able to harvest, and it's just a great conversation. Uh, There were a little bit of audio issues in this one. I've tried to fix those the best I could. I don't think it'll be too bad, Um, but uh, Jay does a great job. I think you guys are going to enjoy it, so here we go. Here's Jay Watterson. All right. Well, joining me from upstate New York is Jay Watterson. Jay, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going. Every day is another day closer to deer season. Yeah. When does it come in for you guys? Oh, we're looking at Monday. Monday. All right. So ours comes in on Saturday. I think I think my first hunt's going to be Sunday night. So are you, are you an opening day guy or do you kind of wait for that first cold front or how do you play that? Every second I got, I'm in the woods. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I understand that. I love being out there. So do you have any, uh, uh, what's the season looking like for you? Potential got trail cameras out. How, how you, how you tackling the early season? Uh, got a few cameras out and got a, uh, respectable eight point, something I'm not going to pass up if he does decide to show himself. Yeah. Nice. Other than that, just plenty of dough, which is nice. Cause I'm getting my, my daughter and my wife are just getting into hunting this year. So I, Pretty much spent all my scouting time building, uh, you know, a nice, comfortable blind with a heater and, you know, how that goes, all that good stuff. And they all my decoys and binoculars. <laughs> Absolutely. Upstate New York, I imagine it gets pretty cold up there sometimes. Um, I think it's been, uh, well, we went ice fishing one time. It was negative 32, I think. Holy cow. Yeah, that's cold. That's cold. So, Jay, you and I are on a uh, deer hunting team. That's how you and I met. So, bow hunting, bow hunting, or bow hunter. I can't. I think it's bowhunting.com has a uh, forum, and you can sign up for a little contest. It's just fun. And every year, I got to meet some new guys. And you are on uh, my team, and so it's kind of our connection. But give us a little bit of your background. Tell us a little bit more about you, so guys, guy, um, get to know who you are. Oh well, I'm just a, uh, you know. Backwoods, um, old school country boy, I guess. I say old school because I was raised by my two sets of grandparents. So, you know, <laughs> instead of being on TikTok and all that stuff, I'm probably more than likely watching a black and white movie or a John Wayne movie or something. Nice. I uh, just moved back home after getting out of the army, and now I've got time to do everything I love to do, but and a lot more. Uh, lot more succession of you know got time for steelhead now got time for deer got time for bear yeah well jay thank you for your service man greatly appreciate that oh it was a pleasure yeah so you've kind of piqued my curiosity so with grandparents kind of raising you and that being your upbringing how did how did you get into hunting Uh, how did that start uh both my grandfathers actually uh they uh (laughs) not only in hunting but in uh morals and life standards i guess if that's the correct term they yep. were like opposites of each other so i'd like to think i got a good line right in the middle <laughs> mm-hmm. but they were uh they were some of the luckiest guys i know when it came to hunting yeah yeah the my grandfather was the the type um it pretty much makes us all angry you know he would just sit on the couch and maybe 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning he'd say i'm gonna go hunting he put on his work boots with his blue jeans, just throw on a camouflage jacket, 
and walk around 300 acres smoking cigarettes and shooting 13 points and you know, 150, 160 class deer. And we're all out there spraying ourselves down and watching the wind and doing mock sprays and, you know. <clears throat> yep. There, I, I think everybody knows everybody knows somebody like that, right? Like there's somebody in our childhood that just had that kind of success. There was a guy, I, you put somebody right in my head, I hadn't thought of him as you, in years, but his name's Dave. And Dave smoked, I mean, he smoked cigarettes every single deer drive, you know, never really, but he just knew where to go. He always picked his spots and he shot giant deer just about every year, it seemed like. Well, I, I narrowed it down. There was actually, there had to be something attached to him because I can remember back in high school one, one year, I uh, can't remember if I had bronchitis or something, but I was sick and it was one of those, you're coughing like every 30 seconds, you can't help it. And I came home from school. And he goes, I'm going to go hunting. You're going to go. I said, no, there's, there's no point. I'm going to scare everything away. I can't stop coughing. He said, well, I'm going to go sit in your stand then. I sat in the stand for two weeks every night. And I just, you know, knowing him when he was going out the door, I said, yeah. And with my luck, you'll shoot something. This was back in the time of landline phones. So I'm on the couch and I hear the phone ring and I go out and answer it. And he goes, I need your help. So for what? He goes, I got one. So I hung up the phone. I went back and sat down on the couch and the phone rang again. I went out and answered. He goes, seriously, I need your help. It's a huge one. I hung up the phone on him again and went and sat down on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) But finally I went out and, uh, yeah, he sat in my stand that I sat in for two weeks. He was out there for about an hour and a half and shot a 13 point. Oh my gosh. Lip brow tines, double crab claws. I think he scored like a 172. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sitting in a tree stand, uh, smoking cigarettes. I'm pretty sure he even had his flask with Canadian LTD. Wow. Old way. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a unique experience. And having a grandpa going out there, it's just hopping in your stand. That's, that's funny. Yeah, he was good at it. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. So I, I know because of bowhunter.com that you've kind of gotten into bow hunting. Were you always a bow hunter? Did you start out like, uh, I guess, what was your, your initial hunting like? Did you start out with a gun and small game, or did you just jump right into deer? How did it all begin? Uh, well, actually, I uh, being such a heavy hunting family, I mean, even aside from my grandfather's, uh, when it was deer season, we have to camp out in the woods, and, you know, it's got like, I think, 12 bunk beds and one of those huge stoves that they used to have in restaurants years ago they're like 12 foot long they got a stove mm-hmm. griddle and a you know everything on it so there used to be you know nine or ten guys that all get together and we'd go out there for deer season of course i was young then so i didn't have to worry about high school or you know anything important <clears throat> which also meant i was washing the dishes and making the coffee and all that stuff but yeah uh, it was fun you know you just get eight or nine old timers together and the fire going and no electric no running water so that kind of got me into the, the not hardcore, but old fashioned hunting, I guess you'd call it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, obviously I was too young then to actually be doing it, but, uh, raised a lot of hell with my Daisy, uh, red ragger. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bumblebees and finally I got old enough and started doing quite a bit of hunting. At that time I shot a bow. I was eight years old when I first started shooting a bow. My father used to put me in competitions. And I don't really know why I don't know the bow didn't take off. And then it finally, 
finally sunk at Spurs and in high school. Mm-hmm. I started going out. Do you remember your first uh, – what was the first thing you were able to get with your bow? Oh, it was a doe. Yeah. It was a doe. I was a little bit disadvantaged on that hunt because my uh, – even though I'd started shooting when I was eight, I'd never been able to pick out my own bow. It always seemed like as soon as I was big enough for another bow, one would get handed down through the family. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I first started hunting and with a bow, and I think probably, I don't know, 2000 something, I had my uncle's bow. It was a Browning from like 1983. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I had these deer coming through. Uh, it was a good crossing point, and there was no coming through constantly all, all morning, one of those good spots. And that bow was shooting so slow that even at 25 yards, the deer were already off four-wheeler trail before the arrow hit the ground. And it was mm. just, it was sad. <clears throat> I emptied the entire quiver, and I was on my last arrow, and one came out and stood, and I shot, and I watched the arrow go in front of her. I watched her back up out of the way, hit the ground, so... I got out of the tree stand all, you know, ready to snap the bow and having one of those days. And I walked over, found my arrow and it was covered in blood. Ah. Yeah. It was like, uh, huh. You know, I watched it go right in front of her, right in front of her chest, but I started following this blood trail and it was probably the best blood trail I've ever been on. It just looked like a half gallon dumped on each side. She went about 35 yards. And when I was cleaning her, I couldn't find an entry wound or an exit wound or anything. Whoa. Finally, when I got up to the brisket, I was cutting up the brisket. I like to take the, uh, the sternum right up through to the bottom of the neck. And I noticed the skin was flapping a little bit. And I looked and a half of an inch in to her chest. There must be an artery. And I caught that artery by like an inch and a half. Oh, wow. It just went in one side, poked it, came out the other. And, uh, it was a, definitely a weird first because it went from the lowest to lows, right from the rock bottom, you know, all the way to the top, you know, holy cow, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I think you think back to your first and sometimes guys are fortunate enough to have one stand broadside and they make a dynamite shot. But sometimes, I don't know, you have those low moments like that and you, you learn really quickly how, how quickly hunting can change on a dime. You know, you can have those low moments and then all of a sudden it's just, it works out. You know, that's, that's hunting. We've all experienced that, I'm sure. Yeah, some of the lows more often than not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of going from that, that story there, Jay, to like present day, I know that you've been able to hunt a few different things and kind of going. So what, what's been some of your favorite hunts like over that time? I mean, I'm getting excited for deer season. Like we are just three days away. So, uh, what, what's some of your favorite deer hunting stories? Um, some of my favorite deer hunting stories. Well, a lot of them probably won't be able to be on air. (laughs) (laughs) Company in the, the nature of the people at the hunting camp, but uh, oh, let's see. Well, the uh, the last one that I remember, the latest one that's really stuck with me was uh, I call it my my good luck buck. That's actually the one I shared with you guys in the uh, forum the other day. Yeah, that's a nice deer. He was uh, one fifty nine, and most of that was just because of mass. Nice eight point. And uh, I guess my grandfather just decided to give me a little bit of his luck that day because I woke up late muzzleloader. 
Um, you know, it was cold outside. It was a blizzard. It was probably like 15 degrees of snowflakes for the size of half dollars. <clears throat> and I got up at 830 and I'm going, do I really, do I really want to, or, you know, do I want to put a movie in. And I decided, no, got to do it. And I got out there super late, climbed up in the stand, probably around 930, 10 o'clock. And in real time, I climb up into the ladder stand, brush the snow off the seat, lean the gun in the corner of the stand and sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I looked over and I saw this mass coming out of this blizzard on the other side of the field. I was right on the edge of a swamp in the hardwoods. And it's, it's just walking like a bulldog. I mean, it's got that bowed out leg, you know, walking like a angry buffalo or something. And I'm going, oh, okay. <laughs> and it was headed right for me. And once it got about 80 yards away, I realized it was so I gave him a couple of snort wheezes and he started walking in and I'm looking at him at 65 yards going, that's a nice deer. I might have to shoot that deer. At 45 yards, I went, wow, that's a really nice deer. I'm definitely going to shoot that deer. And about 25, I was going, oh, idiot, get the gun. You got to kill this deer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that's my biggest buck to date. And just the way it all happened, you know, if I was, I'd say if I was five minutes late, he would have been halfway across that field and busted me when I came around the corner. Wow. Five That's... minutes from the buck of a lifetime for me anyway. A lot of people probably let that walk by. But... Nah, that's shoot, man. I'd be happy to see that one anytime. That's a beautiful, and he had, I think it was unique. It, whenever I zoom in, just like all that, he had like, uh, looked like he'd been rubbing down below. He's got all kinds of stuff on the bases of his uh, antlers there. That's that's pretty. I love whenever they have like just that extra character. Yeah, he was uh, rubbing the cedars really hard. Uh, that's kind of neat to go out there and hunt just like your grandpa did. Just get up, decide to go, get in the stand, and shoot one five minutes later. Were you smoking a cigarette? I'm just curious. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, at, at that time, uh, I was probably chewing. There you go. There you go. There was something involved. So <laughs> it was that's a, cool, man. That's awesome. So um, that one's with the muzzle loader. Is there any that kind of ring a bell for you whenever it comes to like um, your bow? I, I think um, you know since bow season is around the corner. What what would be one of your most memorable bow hunts that you've had, Jay? Um, most memorable would be my miss. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a perfect setup, actually. Um, at that point, I had never gotten a buck with a bow, period. Nothing, not even a spike horn. And it was my birthday. And everything came together that day because the weather was right, the wind was right, it was early season, so the acorns were dropping. And I had a nice uh, shag bar hickory that was smooth all the way up to the top, so I had a climber set up in there about 30, 35 feet. And I went out and sat in that stand in the afternoon, and I'm thinking, okay, today's the day. I'm not only going to get my first buck with a bow, but I'm going to get it on my birthday with, with my first bow that I ever got to pick out because that finally ended up happening for me. Was nice. I've always been a bear archery fan. I know Fred bear is gone, but you know, I'm still going to continue buying those products in support of him. Yeah. We're walking through Gander mountain and I looked over and I saw a bear. And at this time I'm using a bow tech from 2001 handed down from my, uh, stepfather so again an outdated bow and I was like oh wow I really like that it was the bear approach and uh, 
my wife looks at me and she goes, well, if you want to get it, turn around and I pointed my finger at her. I said, don't, don't screw with me. <laughs> and she goes, no, we can do it right now if you want to do it. And I was like, last chance. She said, no, I'm serious. We have it in the account if you want to do it. So I was like a guy at a, a restaurant that found a mouse in his dinner or something. I threw my hand up and going, hey, I, I need some money over here. So I, uh, everything was working out perfect. I had that bow in my hands and our neighbor on the backside of the swamp decided it was time for target practice. So not only did I have everything in my favor already, but now he's scaring deer up out of their bedding areas in the swamp, making a move towards me all that earlier. So it all came together and I looked over and all I saw was nothing but bone coming through the bushes. And my heart got pounding so fast that I actually had to look away from the buck and try to calm myself down because I thought I was literally going to have a heart attack to fall out of a tree stand. Mm. Came in about, he stopped at 30 yards and I had a good shot, but <clears throat> I didn't want there to be any excuse for any mistakes. So I let him come farther. There was a little clearing at 20 yards where I had a trail camera set up. I said, well, I'm going to get a good shot and he's going to be on camera. The only problem was instead of walking straight to my stand and climbing up, I decided out of curiosity, I wanted to check the camera. So I walked across that clearing to the camera, mm. stepped out just far enough to have a tree covering his vitals and stuck his head down, smelled my boot trail, turned around and bolted and stopped at 45 yards. And I, I, I got a shot, but I was shaking so damn bad. It went right over top of his back and I'm shooting Illuminox. So that buck takes off my first buck on my birthday taken off through the woods and all I can see is this glowing luminox stuck in a tree that I've got to watch for the next four and a half hours before the sun goes down. Oh man. <laughs> that is memorable. He wasn't a giant. He was a seven point. Yeah. He only had a, a two time fork on one side, which is kind of cool. I've always wanted something kind of funky, but yeah, I'll, I'll never, uh, never forget how everything came together except me. Except the shot, man. I tell you, I, I relate so much to that. There are so many, I, I have a few of those, unfortunately, um, that I, I look back on. Um, my buddy Trav and I, we, we finally found a spot on this property where we really felt like we would have some good odds on a November morning. It was nice and crisp, um, super cold. And right off the bat, uh, it was just perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. We saw one small buck, I think, to start. And then all of a sudden we started hearing movement up in front of us. He was there filming me. And this doe comes running down across this ravine in front of us. And then on our side of the ravine is this old buck. Uh, we nicknamed him Grandpa. We never had a picture of him before, but he was grunting, like causing a scene. And he came down and he stopped 20 yards in front of me, but he was facing me. So I was at full draw and I was at full draw probably for about 45 seconds to a, to a minute. And finally I had to let down. And whenever I let down, I thought, oh no, the game is over. And he looks behind me, and there was a, a little spike that I didn't see that came in behind me. So that calmed him down, and he turned broadside. So I drew back again, and I really thought that the angle, I needed to hold just a little bit low in case my arrow kicked up back then. I had an old bow, and if, <laughs> if you shot you know, at an angle, sometimes that arrow would rise maybe a quarter of an inch, half an inch. And uh, so I held right, at below, right, you know, right below his belly just a little bit, and that's where I hit. I shot, and I actually nicked him. He took off. I took another shot at 50, didn't even come close. And I was just, I mean, he was 20 yards away. And like my buddy had it all on film. 
And I was just like, are you kidding? I mean, it was just the perfect setup. And I, I'll never forget that. I will never forget. I mean, I remember every, I remember more details about that miss than probably some of the bucks I've been able to kill. I mean, it just some of those things. And you look back and just kind of shake your head like, well, that I learned a lot during that, that experience. Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, definitely an eye opener sometimes. Yeah. Like, well, so, better, lessons uh, learned. Yeah. Well, Jake, I look at your profile picture on our little hunting group, and I notice something that has horns, but it is not a whitetail. So what's the story behind that? I think, it, what is it, Ibex or some sort of goat? What is, is that? It is. It's uh, Ibex. Uh, I I got bit real bad with a uh, sheep and goat, goat hunting bug probably, well, back in 2016. Okay. Um. My mother was just getting ready to remarry, and his son lives down in Texas. And as a uh, birthday slash Christmas kind of get well present, because at the time I was uh, out of work, I got my left hand caught in the saw at work and took off about a quarter of the palm and index finger and everything. Mm. And so I was kind of down in the dumps, honestly, and. Uh, they came over and gave me a birthday card and I'm looking through the birthday card and there's all these pictures of all dad. And I'm going, well, this looks pretty cool. I mean, these animals got to be in Pakistan or something. And my mother goes, look at the back. I looked at the back and it was a printed receipt for plane tickets. <clears throat> she was sending me down to my future uh, brother-in-law's house for a free range all dad hunt. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, wow, really? perfect thing was this was around uh, the end of September and they didn't do that hunt until the beginning of March. So I still had time to heal. And when I went down there, I'd never hunted anything other than, you know, here in upstate New York, you got coyotes, turkey, whitetail. My particular area, you have an occasional bear. That's, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm envious of people that live in places like Montana where you have every animal in North America with the exception of, Polar bear, muskox, and caribou. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I was all for it. And uh, great people down there at the place we stayed. It was in Lano, Texas, in the hill country. And it, it just, it, it's a mixture for me, the addiction to sheep hunting. It's its a mixture of everybody loves going someplace they've never been before. A new set yeah. of wood, a new swamp. It just puts that extra excitement in it. But where you got to go for sheep, put you in a place that's so above all that other stuff. And I, the first time I came back and I was telling people, I'm like, Oh yeah, it was in the mountains in Texas. They go, there's no mountains in Texas. Like, listen, from where I'm at the Lake Ontario area, this is flat until you get to the Adirondacks. So when you stand up and you look at something and it's a couple hundred feet up and you got to climb basically straight up on rocks, that's a mountain to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> When you get up on top of that stuff and, you know, the sun's coming up and you're watching the landscapes and there's cliffs and ravines and valleys and you can see for what looks like, you know, hundreds of miles, even if you don't get anything, you come back with all that. Mm. So I kind of, I got addicted not only to the wanting to have the trophy of the end. Oh, get you there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I lost you there just for a second. What was that last thing you said? It's it's about where it takes you, and not you know not necessarily the prize at the end, but 
the journey of it. You know what I mean? You're not going to go, you're not going to go hunting doll sheep in Alaska, not get anything and come home completely miserable. Well, Absolutely. I mean, you might. If, if you're the wrong type of hunter, you might, yeah. but anybody that actually respects nature and everything would, would definitely just think back like, you know, I didn't get a sheep, but I camped out on top of a glacier or, a yeah. you know, I watched the sun come up. How can you not feel fulfilled and successful in something like that? Oh, completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Colorado twice to elk hunt and I tell you, I have zero regrets about both of those trips. I mean, people are like, oh, you spend that kind of money for a tag. And yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money to, to go do those kind of things, but you're not paying for a dead animal. You're, you're really paying for the experience to chase one of those animals and being in the mountains where they are. I mean, that, that to me is just, yeah, it's worth the money. It's worth the excitement. It's worth me trying to save up every few years to go. Like it, once you experience that sort of a hunt, um, it's just, it's hard to not want to go do it again. You know, you're like, I've got to get back there sometime just because it's such a draw. I love, I love those experiences. Yeah. It changes everything. Cause I mean, um, you can, you can pay to go to a high fence ranch. Yeah. Anything pretty much, you know, especially if you want to go to Texas, but you know, even here, like in my home state, there's a ranch you can go to and they've got elk and Buffalo and, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the spring, when it starts getting warm, they've even got the African game and all that. So yeah, you can pay three or $4,000 to just walk in, shoot it in a pen. Cause let's face it. That's what it is. At least it's in, you know, 15,000 acres. It's in a pen and, uh, go in and shoot it and bring it home. So when people come into your man cave and see it on the wall, ask about it. You're, oh yeah. I went to such and such a place and shot it. Yep. But you know, you can take that $4,000 and do a do-it-yourself hunt, you know, say it was for elk, do it a do a do-it-yourself hunt for elk somewhere else. You may not come back with anything or you might come back with, you know, something that you didn't expect to come back with. And when people ask about that, it's, oh, let me tell you about this. So here we were on the side of a mountain in the Rockies, you know, yeah. Northern Lights. And it is, it's so much more. Yeah. It's all about what, what kind of experience do you want to have? And sometimes that extra work doing it yourself or however you want to do it. it it's to me, I, I just think that creates more of a reward. It creates more of an adrenaline rush. It creates just more of an experience that I'd rather tell that story than the high fence. And there's guys, I mean, if, if you want to hunt a high fence, you got the money and that's your thing for some guys, that's, Hey, whatever floats your boat, if it's legal, but I'm, I'm with you. I feel for me, it's like, I want to go out. I've never wanted to get a guide. People are like, why don't you want to get a guide when you go elk hunting? It's like, I just don't, I, I just don't want to be, a, I want to, I want that satisfaction, that feeling, even if it takes me a few more trips, you know, of going out there. Uh, the fact that I got myself on some elk the last time I was there and I caught cow called my way into a herd and almost sealed the deal. That to me, that that's, that was it, man. Like I've told that story probably a thousand times <laughs> and that experience, even though I didn't get anything, I, I'm just proud of that moment. It was just really cool. There's things I could have done differently, but it just, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that that to me is way more rewarding than, than the other. So yeah, some, I think there's just something in that, like a life lesson there too. You know, sometimes the more effort that you put into something, the more rewarding it is. Oh yeah. Um, I have done some high fence, you know, stuff for fun. Oh yeah. 
I've always had a pact with myself, though, that I would never go to a high fence for anything that I could travel and hunt in the wild. Yeah. So how did how did you get on that? I'm just looking at that one picture. How did you get that one particular? Was that is an ibex or is that an odd dad on that one picture? Uh, that's an ibex. If you're looking at the profile picture. Yeah. How'd you get that guy? That was a uh, that was a long, <laughs> long arduous day. Um, a lot of walking, a lot of tough terrain. Um, I think they were probably three three or four good rams in the area at the time. I, uh, I was pretty much staying at the crests of the hilltops thinking, you know, that's where I was going to find them because due to all the, uh, the wonderful research that most of the time let you down that I did. Yeah. That's where I was going to find them. And I came down into a valley and, uh, lo and behold, right there at the bottom of the valley, everything was just kind of milling around and, Having a good little snack in the afternoon, I think uh, there was a couple of ewes uh, laying down sleeping, and I came down the trail and busted myself. It was about 45 yards away, stepped on a twig, and it snapped. It was one of those, shouldn't have been that loud, but damn, it sounded like somebody had microphones and amps set up, set right next to that twig, you know what I'm talking about? One of those, sounds like a gunshot. So that thing lifted up its head and kind of looked at me, and I was like, great. This is it. This is over. And it just kind of gave me a side eye look a little bit like, hmm, let's see where this goes. Put his head back down and I made it another five yards closer and uh, made a good shot at him. Hit him right behind the front shoulder and he turned and he ran right by me and actually kind of gave me another look as he ran by. I was hiding behind a tree and he kind of looked at me like, you know, you son of a. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's cool. You find them in spots where you don't expect. And it looks like, I mean, it looks like you shot them along the banks of Mississippi by the, the profile picture. I mean, it looks like a lush place down there where you found them. Oh, no, that was, uh, uh, you couldn't get me to hunt Mississippi in the summertime. I'm too fat and hairy for that kind of weather. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Well, Jay, let me ask you this to kind of wrap things up. Um, I think it's unique, you know, you, you and your experience and kind of how your grandfathers, you kind of spoke about them a little bit. And I kind of want to go back to that. You know, what are, what, what do you think, what are your biggest takeaways or the biggest lessons that your grandfather kind of instilled to you as far as, you know, hunting goes, maybe even as far as life goes, what, what did your grandfathers pass on to you? Um, I don't know if you could say kind of like one of the top things that they, they passed on to you, what would that be? Uh, well, being that they were, um, two different people figuratively and literally. Um, it was a pretty good spread of, of things. Like my one grandfather, he, the way that he hunted, you know, he was, he was the patient type. Go out, sit, and stay right there. And no matter how long it takes, just be patient, see what comes type of person. And my other grandfather was, eh, I think I might gravitate to this side a little heavier, <laughs> just based <laughs> on my personality, but. He was more of the wait for a little bit, but if it doesn't make it to you fast enough, go get it type of guy. Yeah. So you might lean up against a tree for half hour, 45 minutes, but eventually you're like, yeah, I, I got to walk, you know? Yeah. They just, um, I, those are both values that I picked up, not only in the hunting world, but, you know, they're just as practical and applicable in real life as well. Yeah. Um, 
being both old school, you know, they were, they were the type where you had to, you definitely appreciated what you had. You looked at what you had instead of what you didn't, you know, um, well, I, I can remember uh, a large appreciation. I'm not saying I wouldn't be at this point in my life naturally on my own, but what definitely sped me up to the, uh, I'm going to call it the mature respectfulness for mother nature. Yeah. Uh, whenever we used to get a deer, it was a family affair. My grandmother, grandfather, myself, uh, one of my brothers, if they were around. My grandmother's got this huge kitchen table that's basically a three-inch thick butchering block so everybody got to have a hand in processing and when you were taking off the silver skin on the back of the back straps or whatever if there was just if there was a piece of meat left on there big enough to be considered a piece of sausage for like pizza my grandfather would give you a uh, 15 minute um, class I guess on how to how to do it so you weren't wasting meat so mm. there, like I said, if there was anything at all, anything you could just put on the end of the toothpick and eat, it was, uh, nope, you turn around, you clean that up. You know, we're not, we're not taking them out of the woods to, to let that go to waste. And there's definitely, uh, a lot of appreciation for the woods that came from his mentality and passing it on. Mm. That's awesome. Sounds like a guy that respected the kill for sure. He did. Yeah. That's awesome, Jay. Well, man, I tell you what, I enjoyed the stories. That's exciting. Gets me fired up for the season. And uh, I really hope that you have a good season. And it's not just because you're on my team, but I, I really do like my team this year. You guys are a lot of fun to, to shoot the breeze with. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of fun, that camaraderie, getting to know new guys. So excited to kind of uh, sit down and hear some of your stories. And I hope that you have a great season, buddy. Oh, well, I hope so, too. And you the same. Hopefully, uh, I'm hoping I have a good season more for you guys than me because uh, – I haven't done too good for any of the teams during the competition since I've been a part of it. Oh, yeah. Last year, I killed one during a muzzleloader, and for some reason, that doesn't count on a bow hunting contest. I don't know what the deal is with that. So, oh. <laughs> uh, All right, man. We'll get chatting with you, and uh, I'll, I'll be catching up with you on the forum, and I hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you later, man. Good luck next week. Right, you too. All right. Really enjoyed talking to Jay. I uh, really appreciate him cutting out some extra time. That was kind of a short notice. I uh, messaged him yesterday, and here we are today. Got it recorded, and um, just grateful for that. And just grateful for anybody that wants to come on the show and give me some stories. Uh, love hearing them, guys. If you would like to come on the show, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Would love to hear your experiences. Uh, if the season unrolls the way that you want it to, and maybe you get an animal down that you'd like to tell me the story about, I love hearing those ones that just happened, too. So uh, keep that email in the back of your mind, and would love to hear that. I don't have anything dynamic or crazy. You know, a lot of times at the end of these, I, I throw in a bunch of verses and things like that. I will say this. Uh, I do hope that you'll be safe and that you'll just have a good season. Um, I'm really trying hard to just make sure that I keep my priorities straight. Uh, family is is everything, and I need to make sure that family and my faith, that's that's what comes first. And then hunting is is a fun thing that I get to do. It's fun to put meat on the table. It's fun to hunt. Uh, I love going whenever I can go, but I don't want to make my, my life or my wife miserable doing so. Um, I want to do this to kind of wrap things up. Um, I don't know if your season's already started or if it's about to, but I, if you'd let me, I'd like to say a little prayer, uh, just a prayer of uh, protection and a prayer of priority and just a prayer of uh, success for you and um, 
uh, anybody that might be listening to this. So if you would, if you're able to bow your head, unless you're driving or something like that, uh, we'll say a little prayer here to kind of wrap things up. Uh, God, I want to thank you for everything that you've created. Uh, I believe you created the heavens and the earth and the things that we're able to enjoy, and you did it for your good pleasure. Uh, and not only for your pleasure, you, you wanted us to enjoy it. And uh, for many of us all over the uh, United States, there's uh, an opportunity coming up for us to chase white-tailed deer. Uh, maybe some other guys are chasing some other things that listen to this, and it's just fun to go out there and try and figure these animals out, try to um, <laughs> understand them and outsmart them and, and put ourselves in a position to make a good shot. So God, I pray first off for safety, that you'd help us as we go into this season to remember safety, to do our best to be as safe as we can be, um, and get us all home safely to our families and those that we care about. Help us not to make poor, rash decisions in the heat of the moment, and um, I pray that you just bless that and, and keep us all safe. Uh, Lord, I also ask that you'd help us to make good decisions and, and make ethical kills. Um, I pray that we won't push that envelope, Father, that we know our limits. And God, that we would be able to put these animals down quickly. You created them and we respect that. We respect these animals. We know that they are animals. They're not given a soul like us, but they are special. And uh, we're, we're just blessed to have that opportunity to chase them. So help us to do our best to just make good shots, make it count, and help us to be able to have short blood trails and uh, put some meat in the freezer for our families and things that we can enjoy. And I pray that you'd help us to manage the time and the priorities that we place on this. Um, help it not to become an idol, um, where it's it's our only focus, it's the only thing we can think about, and we worship it, and we think that if you know we, we just kill a big buck, or if we just do whatever, uh, that it'll be fulfilled. We know, Father, that our fulfillment, I believe our fulfillment comes entirely from you. So let us make that the focus. May we hunt you and continue to seek after you, so that whenever we go out in the woods, Father, we can do it with a clean conscience, that we can go out there and see what you've created and just thoroughly enjoy it the way that you want us to. Um, but help us not to um, drive our families mad. Um, it's not worth that. I pray that we can just balance family, balance work, and balance this hobby that we love. We thank you, God, once again, uh, for what you've created. I pray that we can have a great, successful season, whatever that looks like in your eyes, through the highs and lows that we're all about to experience. I uh, just pray that it would be good and that we can learn from it. Uh, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for listening to this podcast every week that I'm able to get out an episode, and I would love to hear your stories if you'd like to come on. Thanks for listening. Good luck to you, and I'm hoping next week I have a story for you uh, about how things go this Sunday. And until then, I would just encourage you to shed the light.